So from Genesis 32, let me ask you then. Do you ever feel unworthy? On a Sunday morning, do you ever come into worship and you feel like you're limping in to worship? You know, just recently, just recently we've been studying the Holy Spirit. And last Sunday we talked about on the day of Pentecost and all the blessings that came on that particular day. And we talked about how the church began. We talked about how there was fellowship that was created. And there was the forgiveness of sins. And there was hope of eternal life. And that there was a Savior. And all of those blessings that came at that particular time. And as you stop and think about that, and you think about John 3.16. And you think about other things that are revealed for us in the New Testament. You have to think to yourself, that truly is amazing grace. But then I want to ask you again. <laughs> Do you ever feel unworthy of that grace? Do you ever feel like you can't really carry all of your blessings in a worthy manner. I hope you think about that with me for a moment this morning. And we're going to take a look at Genesis, the 32nd chapter, because that's where Genesis chapter 32 comes in. I want to give you a little bit of background of what's going on here. Clayton read that for us this morning. In Genesis chapter 2, 24 through 32, that is an amazing story that is contained there. It's sort of a mysterious story that is contained there. It is a spiritual story that is contained there. But in order for us to understand what's going on there and the blessings we can get out of that, we have to stop and really think about, dig into that particular story, that occasion in Genesis, the 32nd chapter. This is a story about Jacob. You remember Jacob of the famous trio Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? <laughs> this is Jacob. Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. Jacob, whose name means supplanter. Jacob, who was born as a twin, but he came out of his mother's womb second, and his brother Esau came out first, but Jacob was holding on to his heel. Remember that? This is Jacob, who tricked his brother out of his birthright. This is Jacob, who deceived his father into giving him the blessing instead of his older brother Esau. This is Jacob who has connived and manipulated and tricked and has always worked things out in his best interest. This is Jacob that one writer referred to him as the used car salesman of the Old Testament. This is Jacob. This is Jacob who's been away from his homeland for over 20 years now. This is Jacob who's been running from his older brother because his older brother... <laughs> realized what kind of a character it was and he said he was going to kill him. And Jacob ran. 
and now he's been gone for over 20 years, but now he's, he's coming home. When he left, he was all alone. It was just him. But now when he's coming back, he's bringing a wife. In fact, he's bringing two wives. And he's bringing children. He's bringing 11 sons at this time. Eventually, he'll have a 12th. And they'll become the 12 tribes of Israel. But in Genesis 32, after all the years of running, after all the years of scheming, conniving, tricking, cheating, manipulating, Jacob has lived a good portion of his life. And now he's coming home. But there's something we want to notice before we get right into this story. A lot of times before you can come home, you've got to face your past. And Jacob, in Genesis 32, he's going to have to face his past. Because you know who's coming out to meet him? It's Esau. That's that older brother that he cheated and schemed to get what was rightfully Esau's. And so Jacob is going to come to a point where he's going to face life. He's going to face his life. So keep that in mind. But there's another point that I want you to keep in mind as we get into this. In Genesis, the 28th chapter, God had told Jacob, I will be with you, and I will watch over you, and I will bless you, and I will bring you back to this homeland. And I will not leave you until I have accomplished that. God had told Jacob, I'll bless you. Keep in mind, as we take a look at this, Jacob's story is not unique. (laughs) I think as we take a look at Jacob's story, I think we can see ourselves in there. Is there anyone that God has has said he He will not bless? He's offered His blessings to everybody. But just like Jacob, oftentimes, even though God has said that He will bless us, that God wants to bless us, oftentimes with our lives, what do we do? I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) That's kind of that famous mantra, isn't it? I'm going to do it my way. Well, what we're going to see is there's going to be a struggle that's going to take place. And in this struggle, it's all really all going to come down to Jacob. So in Genesis chapter 32, Jacob has come to that point where he's going to have to face his brother. And Jacob, if you're not familiar with the story, he knows Esau's coming. So you know what Jacob does? He starts sending offerings, gifts, He gives instruction. I want you to take these animals and these gifts 
and go and, and meet my brother Esau. And then following that, I want you to go and I want you to take these gifts and meet my brother Esau. And then there's more and they, and they just keep coming. It's like Jacob is concerned. <laughs> That's my older brother. He has got to be thoroughly ticked. <laughs> and I've been on the run for 20 years. But now I'm coming home. And guess who shows up first? And so he sends all these gifts trying to appease him. But then he gets word back. And you know what the word is? Esau's coming. (laughs) And he's not coming alone. He's bringing 400 men with him. What do you think that did to Jacob? He's worried. I want you to notice Genesis chapter 32 and verse 10. Because Jacob's going to offer up a prayer. In Genesis chapter 32 at verse 10, he says, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I have crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. What he's making reference to is he knows Esau's on his way, and he's taken the people that are with him, and he's divided them up. And the reason why he's divided them up is because if Esau attacks this group, then this group can run. If he attacks this group, then this group can run. But Jacob tells God in that prayer, I'm not worthy. I know you've told me in the past you will bless me and you will keep me and you will be with me. I'm not worthy of what you've spoken to me. So Jacob sends his offerings and then he divides his company and then he's going to cross over the ford of the Jabuk. He's going to take his two wives He's going to take their concubines, their female servants. He's going to take his kids. And he's going to separate them out from the rest. And then Jacob is going to separate from them. That's where we come in. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And he took them and sent them over the brook. That's verse 23. And sent over what he had. Verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob is all alone and now this man shows up and there's this wrestling match that goes on all night and then as the morning breaks it says that the man did not prevail against Jacob but he says let me go because the day is breaking but he had touched his hip and his hip was out of joint and Jacob hangs on and he says I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me Keep that in mind. Let me say this. 
in the upside down world of God's grace, God blesses the ones He defeats. The ones who are defeated win. Isn't that upside down? Watch how this goes. In verses 24 and 25, he's left alone and he wrestles with this man and then Jacob's hip is put out a joint. You know, it's hard to see it first. But there's the blessing. There's the first blessing. Jacob's going to end up with this limp. I want you to notice before we go further. Turn to the last verse that we read this morning. Verse 32. Therefore to this day the children of Israel do not eat the muscle of the shank which is on the hip socket. Because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle of that shank. To this day, he says, Israel does not eat that. Because they want to remember They don't want to forget. Well, what is it they don't want to forget? They don't want to forget the painful way that God blesses His people. So what do they want to remember? What they want to remember is this. God will do whatever is necessary to bring His people to their knees. That happens to everybody that would be God's. C.S. Lewis said it this way, We do not doubt that God will do what is best for us, We just wonder how painful his best is going to turn out to be. What does he have to do to help me, to help us, to see our weaknesses? What does he have to do to get me, to get you, to get us to see we don't have all the answers? What does he have to do to get us to see we can't fix ourselves? What does he have to do to get us to see that we need him? What does he have to do before we come face to face with that reality? I can't fix it. I don't have all the answers. I do need you, Lord. Over in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, in chapter 12, at about verse 7, listen to what Paul says. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. 
Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sakes. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. I don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. But Paul said, I begged three times that God would take it away. And he says, you've been given this so that you might not be exalted above measure. Paul, i got to keep you humble. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Ever thought about that? Knowing that we are weak can actually be our blessing. What we just need to do is, what did he use to get you to see it? I think it's interesting in this section, Genesis 32. What did this man do to Jacob? He wrestled with him. He didn't prevail. But then he touched his hip. Think about that. Jacob is scared. He is separated from everybody and he's by himself. Our natural instinct, when we get really scared, is what? You ever heard this? You get really scared, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to flee or you're going to fight. (laughs) Think about that. He touched Jacob's hip. What had Jacob done in the past? He ran off, didn't he, for 20 years. Try running off with a bum hip. (laughs) Well, maybe I'll just go fight that Esau. Oh, really? (laughs) With a bum hip? He kind of took those options away, didn't he? Touched his hip. Took away the natural instincts in that situation, didn't he? A bad hip. Can't run. Can't fight. Our failures our inabilities, our heartbreaks, our sicknesses, our griefs, our sins that we can't fix. That's our limp. Hip-wrenching, merciful work of God to bring us low as one writer said, to once again make our souls child-sized. <laughs> Remember the old days when you used to drive through the drive-up and you'd go, supersize that, would you? 
See, that's what Paul's talking about over in 2 Corinthians. I had to give you this, Paul. Unless you become exalted above measure. And unless in your own eyes you might become supersized. Your soul needs to be child-sized. Paul. Because when it's that way, we turn from self and we turn to God. You know, somebody else said that every Christian, every Christian, ought to write their own biography. And every book should have this chapter in it. My God-given limp. Your limp's probably different than mine. Mine's different than yours. But we all should have a God-given limp. Over in 1 Timothy, the first chapter, beginning at about verse 12, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because He counted me faithful, putting me into ministry. Although formerly I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Some people say that's Paul's confession about his spiritual limp. I'm the chief of sinners. But God was gracious. And He still put me into service. Well, I just suggest that's not the only time that Paul confessed that. Remember Philippians, the third chapter, about verses 4 through 7? Paul talked about his past. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Born of the tribe of Benjamin. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. And Paul was proud of that at one time. But what's he saying in that section? In that same section, he goes on to say, but now I count it all as dumb that I might gain Jesus Christ. So in 2 Corinthians 12, he says God's grace was sufficient. Because when Paul was weak, then he was made strong. It wasn't Paul relying on Paul anymore. You know what he was saying? Paul, I had to make you strong enough to carry your blessings. And the way I did it, I had to humble you. Because then you would rely on God a God given limp you know what Christians should pray we should pray that we never walk without a limp wouldn't it be good in a sense if every time we came through that door all of a sudden God just struck us with a limp 
just so we'd be reminded. And so Jacob's first blessing was when he touched his hip. Secondly, your name will be Israel. Genesis 32. Let me get back there. Begin at verse 26 this time. And read down through verse 28. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob's getting ready to receive his second blessing. Verses 25 and 26, he wrestles with the man until daybreak. The man does not prevail against Jacob. And then he touches Jacob's hip. And here's Jacob, the old heel grabber. (laughs) And what's he do? Even though he's crippled now, he grabs on and he hangs on. And he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. So watch it. Here it comes. The man says, What is your name? And Jacob replies, Jacob. Sometimes we need to be asked, and we need to answer. Who are you? Because in the Hebrew, when you gave your name, you were really given your identity. And so the man asked him, it wasn't because that man didn't know his name. He wanted Jacob to answer. What's your name? You know when was the last time that Jacob was asked that? Who are you? That was over 20 years earlier. That was on that fateful day when his brother was out in the field hunting game. And Jacob got together with his mother and they put on these sheepskins, animal skins. And he went in before his elderly father, Isaac, who was old and feeble and blind. And he says, Who are you? And what did he say? Esau. Come closer. Let me touch. Because Esau was a hairy man. (laughs) And he thought it was Esau. And so he gave him the blessing. He stole what belonged to Esau. He deceived his father and he lied to him. And so at this time, when he says, give me a blessing, okay, I'll give it to you. Tell me, what's your name? See, the way we need to understand this is it's like a confession. You're going to have to face up to it. You're going to have to tell me who you are. You know, the great irony of Jacob's life 
and ours. He had been blessed. God had told him, I will be with you. I will keep you. I will bless you. I will bring you back. But, God, but Jacob didn't rely on that. Jacob relied on Jacob. And so all these years, it wasn't Jacob waiting on God. It was God waiting on Jacob. And that's the way it's been for us. The fact that he had been blessed was evidenced with the company that he had traveling with him. He left home by himself. He's coming back with two wives, multiple children, 11 sons, all kinds of livestock. He has been blessed. But yet now he's asking God to bless him. But there's something else. Over two decades, over two decades have gone by. But now he's coming home. And he's scared. Genesis 32 and verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother of, with children. He's scared. And now he's run out of options. And now I beg you, bless me. When Jacob finally comes to that point, when his life is in danger and he's got no place else to turn, he remembers the words of God. And he remembers the promises of God. And so he turns to God. Because he's alone. See, there's a point we need to understand. Ultimately, we all get there. Sooner or later, it's just us and God. And so the man wrestles with him. And he cripples him. And he says, let me go. But Jacob hangs on. He says, not until you bless me. And so he says, okay. What's your name? Jacob. You finally admitted it. That's who you are. In verse 28. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. The name Jacob suggests one who strives or struggles with God. So now Jacob's got his second blessing. He's got a limp. And now he's got a new name. Jacob had finally come to realize the importance 
of having God in his life. And see, that's that's where we win. Because ultimately, we don't defeat God. Ultimately, He wants us to give in. But the amazing part about all that is when we get to that point, He lets us win. Every time. Every time. In Galatians, the sixth chapter in verse 16, which we studied just recently, Paul refers to Christians and he calls them the Israel of God. But to get to that point, it may be hip-wrenching. It may be heartbreaking. It may be painful. But when we finally get there, that's where the blessing is. So thirdly, in Genesis 32, verse 29, it says, Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle of the shank, which is in the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle of that shank. Jacob now says, tell me your identity. What is your name? And the man replies, why do you ask? You ask for a blessing. You wouldn't ask unless you realized who I am. And Jacob obviously got the point because in verse 30 he says, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. When we give consideration to the text and then you give consideration to Jacob's life prior to this, Jacob previously was not fit to carry all those blessings that God had said that he would give to him. But God was going to help him get there. So God wrestled with him, as he oftentimes with us. And then he crippled him, and he humbled him, changed his life, and then he changed his name. And he blessed him there verse 31 just as he crossed over Penuel the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip you know prior to this back in verses 9 through 11 Jacob had talked about the father God the father of Abraham God or Abraham his father and God being the God of Abraham. And he talked about God being the God of Isaac. But now he says, I have seen him face to face. Whenever he says, I have seen him face to face, what that suggests is there's an intimacy now with God. 
And in verse 31 it says, Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. As one writer suggests, that's more than just physically descriptive. That's poetry in motion right there. (laughs) He has a limp. A God-given limp. He has a new name. And now a new day. Now he's Israel. He's God's and God is His. God had promised His blessings on Jacob many years earlier. But Jacob, by his life, he showed that he was the supplanter, the conniver, the trickster, the deceiver. And he showed that he wasn't fit to carry those blessings and those promises. But the years worked on Jacob and finally he's coming home but before he can get home he has to wrestle with God and he has to confess who he is and he comes face to face with God and whatever he does God gives him a limp God gives him a new name and then he gives him a new day and in verse 32 it says the whole nation didn't want to forget the painful way in which God oftentimes blesses His people. Isn't that the truth? Maybe one of these days we'll have coffee together. And I'll tell you how I got my limp. And you can tell me how you got yours. And then we can boast in it. Because that's the way God is. And that's the way He works with us brings us low so he can lift us up. I want to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. If we can help you in any way, making your relationship right with the Lord, we invite you to come while together we stand and while we sing.